Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys again. Good to be back here. Um, it's good to be on the stage, even though it's very exciting to me. But it's good to share with you. I'm very grateful for this opportunity. So I want to thank our lead pastors, Sebastian and, and Eva, uh, for this opportunity to be able to speak to you guys about God, what, what God has given me. And it's not like I'm here and just speaking to you guys and hoping that you will be blessed by it. But I'm blessed by doing this as well. And just by prepare, preparing for it and working on it, studying it, you know, it blessed me. So what God blessed me with, I'm just sharing with you guys and hopefully you will be blessed by that. Um, my name is Vince Roy. I'm uh, one of the leaders here in Celebration Church. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, got the opportunity to speak to you guys. We're in the beginning of a new series called Communing with God. And uh, I get to talk about worship. And worship, you know, there's a lot to be said about worship. You know, it's, it's, it's bigger than just the songs we sing. I mean, you just heard it, you know. It's not only the songs we sing, but it's more than that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I want to share you guys with. But let's go to, um, um, to John 4.23. If you have your Bibles with it, you can open it up or you can read along with the, the screen. And uh, there it says, but the hour is coming and is now here, when a true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today, Lord. We thank you for this morning that we can gather here and in unity Declare your kingdom, declare your goodness, Father. We worship you, we adore you, Father. We give you all the praise that we can give you, Father. And I ask your blessing for this service. And uh, I surrender totally to you, Lord. That is not I that speak here, but you through me. Um, bless us, bless me, and bless the people here. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever been to a service where the worship team wasn't really in key or was playing a little bit offbeat or didn't play the songs that you like. Worship team, don't look back. Show of hands, please. Yeah, so a lot of you, right? I know that I've been to um, services like that and I hope if you raised your hand that it wasn't the service here. But I've been to services like that and um, to be honest with you, it distracted me a little bit. And it caused me to not really get into that flow, to worship flow, and not really get into the presence of God like I wanted to. And it made the rest of the service a little bit less good for me because I wasn't really focused on it. And um, you know, worship isn't, isn't about those songs. You know, it's not about the songs we sing. Worship is about Worship isn't about a feeling. You know, if it was about a feeling, then it could be influenced by the worship team, right? But worship is more than that. And Pastor Sebastian already mentioned it a few weeks ago, that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is part of what you do, who you are. And worship is not even about how well you sing. So, like, even the worship team, even if they didn't sing well, 
is still worship. And you guys that are in, this, in, the, in the room, it's not even about how good you can sing. It's more pleasant for the people around you. So hopefully you can sing a little bit, but it's not about that. Worship is a result of understanding who God is and what he has done for us. And the first time we see worship in the Bible is in Genesis 22, 22 5. It's not necessarily the first time that there is worship. It's just the first time it is mentioned. And it's when Abraham takes Isaac up to the mountain to go offer. Let's read that part. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb from the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now keep in mind that when Abraham said they were going up to worship, he already knew what he was about to do. He already knew that he was about to make a huge sacrifice in offering his son to God. And I believe that Abraham didn't really mean it that way, but how was Isaac about to worship? You know, I think Abraham was talking about him and Isaac going up to offer together, not to make him worry a lot. But I think Isaac was about to worship either way. Because we see that he laid down his life on the altar. And I believe that laying down your life on the altar is worship as well. There's a very important man in the Bible named Jesus that did that for us. He laid down his life on the altar. So I believe that's, that's the same thing, right? And Isaac wasn't a little kid anymore. The scholars are not really sure about how old he was, but he was probably in his teenage years. And this was because, they say, say this because um, he was carrying the wood for the burnt offering, which would be very heavy or pretty heavy. And he knew what was going on by knowing that there wasn't a lamb about to be offered, so you, you had that, uh, that knowledge. So he was probably in his teenage years, and Abraham was old. So I believe that you know, Isaac, if he wanted to, could put up a decent fight and not going on the altar. You know, when he found out, hey, like, I'm gonna be the, the next guy on the, on the offering, he could put up a good fight or either even run away. You know, Abraham wouldn't be, be able to catch him, the old guy, you know. So, I think Isaac made that, that choice that I'm trusting my father that he knows best and this needs to be done same way Jesus did. He could have stopped going on the cross, but he decided to go on the cross and trust his father and not say the word to, to make it all stop. Abraham was willing to give back to God what God gave him. And this was the most valuable thing in his life, his son. He was able to give that back. Why? Because worship is, an understand, is a result of understanding who God is and what he has done for us. Let's go to Mark 14. And we will start reading from verse 3. 
And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And where some who said, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Now we don't know who this woman is yet and why she thought that Jesus was worth this very expensive ointment of pure nard. That's the thing about worship, right? We don't know why somebody worships the way they do. We don't know why the lady in the front dances and doesn't care about who sees her. We, doesn't, we don't know why the man kneels down in front of everybody and cries like a baby and doesn't care about anybody who sees him. We don't know why, the, why people do these things until we hear their testimony. And I, like, I love to see people worship, man. I, I get goosebumps when I see people lift their hands and just give it all. Just a, the pure worship, I really love to see that. And especially in young people. And why do I love to see that? It's because you know that there was an encounter with God for them to be able to do that. You just don't do that out of yourself. There's just something happened there for them to be like, okay, this is worth for me doing doing that. So let's go to John 12 and see the testimony here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. So now do you understand why she didn't care to humble herself in front of all these people? She didn't feel like it was a waste of this expensive ointment because Jesus had just raised her brother from the dead. This, this was something that she felt like Jesus was worth of. He was worth of this, everything that she could give. And it probably cost her a lot because she probably had to save a lot of money or I don't know how it works there, but at that time. But she probably had to save for it a lot to be able to get that. And to just, you know, use it on, on Jesus was this big sacrifice. And why was she able to do that? It's because worship is a result of understanding who God is and what he has done for us. So like I said before, this, this has really been a blessing for me to, to work on this and uh, to study it. And uh, the next part, you know, God really opened my eyes to it. And this is a part that I, I didn't really know before. Let's, let's look at the Hebrew word for worship. The word is avodah. And the word can also be translated as work. So worship is both literally and figuratively work. You know, we have to, we have to put an effort into worship. So, yeah, we have to work for it, right? But if we look at the root of this word, then we see three different translations would also describe what this work looks like. 
In the first way, it can be translated as surface, where one submits oneself to another. Examples of this are um, as a slave to a master, or a subject to a king, or even a son to his father. The second way it can be translated is worship, referring to the worship of Yahweh or the worship of idols. And the last way it can be translated is work or common labor. And it's both secular and sacred, and both paid and unpaid. And this made me think of Colossians 3.23, where it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So wherever God places you to work at, that's the place that you need to be. And I know that sometimes, you know, we don't like the work we're doing. Sometimes you end up at a, at a job and you, you know, like, man, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait for the next job. And I know I have job, I had jobs like that where I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Didn't want to go over there. Couldn't wait to get out. But I knew that all of those jobs that I had, they, they helped form this, this, this set of skills that I can still use now in the things that I do. So both of them are necessary. Both of those places are necessary. You know, what I'm trying to say is that we need to let, let God lead us. We need to let the Spirit lead us. And even though we might not, you know, um, might not like where we end up, it's, it's necessary. And Jesus is a perfect example of this, right? He did all of those thing, three things that we just saw, all of those three translations. He was doing that. He served people. You know, he was healing people. Think about the washing of the feet of his disciples, which is something, you know, you have to be very humble to do that. You have to really humble yourself to wash the feet of somebody else, especially in those days, dust everywhere. So he did that, and he worshipped. He only worshipped God and no other gods. Even though he was tempted a lot to worship other gods, he didn't. And he worked as a carpenter. So he did all of those three things. And we see that um, Avodah is translated as worship and work. So we have to worship, we have to work to worship, and we can worship at our workplace. And we saw that the actual work is worship as well. And here's how good God is. And this really, you know, opened my eyes. This really blew my mind, actually. Um, we worship when we do the will of the Father, right? And his will for us is that we work. You know, that's why he commanded it to Adam and Eve as well, to work. If we can work, we have to work. Because it's not only for ourselves, it's for the people around us at the workplace, and it's to be able to give back to those people that are in need. And his will is also that we keep the Sabbath. In other words, when we rest, that we rest. So he receives the worship when we work and also the worship when we rest. And that's, that's just amazing to me that both of those 
areas, you know, he, he wants us to have. He wants to have the worship. He wants to have the, the rest. Because when we worship and rest, he gives us something in return. And it's that, that inner peace that we have that we only can receive from him. And that is in, in those moments when we rest. And David calls up everybody, everything that has breath to praise the Lord in Psalm 150. And now he's referring to things that we are used to, right? He's referring to uh, worship or praise in, in playing the instruments, singing and dancing. And those are things that we're familiar to. But if we look at the phrase that he says that everything that has breath, you can also say that everything that breathes, breathes, right? And everything that breathes lives. So it's not just humans. It's animals, it's plants, it's trees. They all live. They all are created by our God. So how are they able to worship? Because as far as I know, animals don't play the instruments. There are some that can sing very nice, right? But not all of them can do those things that David was talking about. So how are they able to worship? Well, if, if men look at nature and they see these beautiful trees and plants and the fruit that they bring forth and animals that take the fruit and go out onto different places and, you know, um, the seeds are dropped there so different plants and trees will grow there as well. And all these animals and, and nature just working together as one unity. And everything has its own purpose. When people see that and think, man, there, there must be really a, a, a great creator to be able to think of this, to, that everything can work together like that. There has to be a great creator. At that moment, they give credit to God. And when they do that, nature just indirectly gave praise to God. Just by doing what they were supposed to do, what they were created for. And what, I wonder, what, what do people see when they look at you and me? Do they see this, this beautiful creator? Or do we make it hard for, him, for them to believe there is a God? And I'm not talking about being flawless. I'm not talking about being perfect. Because there's only one man that was perfect. And there's only one man that will ever be perfect. And that was Jesus Christ. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how do we represent him? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? And the funny thing about these two things are we can't do them on our own. And I'm sure that you will agree with me that to love our neighbor, we can't do that on our own. Because if I ask you to just think about your neighbors then, you know, I already see some people go, oh, man, don't start about that. Don't, don't get me started. You know, so we can imagine it's hard for, for us to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? We need God for that. It's, in, it's impossible for us to do. But it's also impossible to love God the way that he wants to on our own strength. He will give us the heart and the mind that we need to love him. And that's just beautiful to me, you know? that he knows you guys can't do it on your own because the way I want you to love me is way bigger than yourself because there's so much more than he can give that we can give out of ourselves. 
Let's go to John 4.23 again. God is looking for, wait, um, let me read it first. But the hour is coming, and now is here, where the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is looking for people that are living a lifestyle that is guided by the Holy Spirit and are imaging the example that Jesus set. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When the body is offered, the spirit remains. So the flesh needs to be crucified so it can make way for the, for the spirit. And the end of this verse says spiritual worship. That is our spiritual worship. And why is it spiritual worship? Because the body is offered. So when the body is offered, you will be led by the spirit in everything you do. And that will become spiritual worship to God. I'll give you four examples of what a worship lifestyle can look like. Worship is when people see you on a Wednesday and can tell where you go on a Sunday. Because you don't shut, you just don't shut your worship off when you leave here. It doesn't stay here and you go. Worship goes with you. Wherever you are, the way you behave, you know, it's part of you. It's part of who you are that is worship. So it shouldn't matter on which day we meet to be able to tell that you love God. The, the biggest compliment I ever got was that a non-Christian guy came up to me. He was like, I, I can tell that you're a Christian. And it wasn't because I said something that I'm a Christian. It was because the way that I behaved and the things that I did, that he could tell that I'm a Christian. And it's not to pat myself on the back like, hey, great job, man. You just did something good. No, it's to let you guys know that this was the greatest compliment to me because at that moment I knew that my Heavenly Father was proud of me. I represented Him the way that He wants me to represent Him. And, you know, now I'm 38. And it still feels good when my mom or dad tells me they're proud of me. You know, and I know... I know what to do to make them proud and I know what to do to make them happy and I'm, I love doing that because I love to see them happy and I love to see them proud and when I make them proud they tell me they're proud and I get that love back so that love goes back and forth by by what I'm doing and what they're doing and this is the same way with our Heavenly Father when we do the things that he would like us to do it makes him proud. And he, he goes, well done, my daughter. Well done, my son. And it feels so good to, to have him say that to you. So I want to encourage you guys to really, really dig into that. Worship is knowing the voice of God, hearing it and following it. You know, I played baseball. And I played baseball in, in stadiums where there were thousands of people there screaming and yelling and doing things and making noises and stuff like that 
but I could always hear the, the voices of my, my family, my parents that were there. And why was I able to hear them? Because I knew the voices of them. I knew their voices. I could recognize it because I spent a lot of time with them. So I recognized their voice. And we need to spend time with God, a lot of time with God, so we can recognize his voice, we can hear it. Even when there's a thousand of voices screaming at us, we can still hear that still small voice in all of that when he's talking to us. Worship is to model Jesus. When we figure out what Jesus did and why he did it, we can model that lifestyle. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father but by Him. You know, Jesus, we know that Jesus loved to do the Father's will, right? So why not do what He did? Or at least try to figure out why He did it and how He did it. So we can model that lifestyle and be like, okay, you know, if He loved the way, if He loved to worship the Father, then whatever He did has to be good and has to please the father right had to please the father so if we do the same thing then we will please our father as well worship is love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind i express my love through my heart with words gestures and my behavior i show my loyalty by committing my soul all the characteristics that make me me my core being to Yahweh and even when my heart doesn't feel like it sometimes or feel something else the conviction I have in my mind of understanding who God is and what he has done for me still allows me to to love him at that moment you know Abraham and Mary were willing to give up a whole lot for God and you can tell how much somebody appreciates or values something or someone by the price they are willing to pay or the effort they are really willing to make for that person and you know God will sometimes ask you for that God will sometimes ask you he asked Abraham for a certain price he didn't ask Mary Mary just gave it out of his out of herself so sometimes he will ask you something and sometimes it's up to you what you give but there's always a price to pay and you decide if you're willing to pay that price it's up to you the decision is up to you he will not make the decision for you so what i'm trying to say is that i don't want to it's not like i want to force a certain lifestyle on you it's just that I want to make you aware of that worship is a conscious decision on a daily basis. Worship is a result of understanding who God is and what he has done for us. So I want to close out right now and I want to have an altar call in twofold. And the first one is for the people that already know God already know that he's worth a lot he's worth very much but just have just need some help in making those sacrifices you need the help to to be able to make the sacrifice that he is asking of you to make
And if that's you here today, I would love for you to stand and just remain standing for a while. You know that he's worth of the sacrifice. It's just hard for you to make that sacrifice. Second one is for those who don't know God yet. And don't know the God why Ab that Abraham and Mary were willing to make that huge sacrifice for. But you would like to know him. Because you would like to know why somebody would make such a big sacrifice for, some, for, for a God like that. And if that's you today, then I would love you to stand as well. So we can pray for you. Will you all pray with me together? Dear Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for blessing us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are making the decision today. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to have communion with us. Lord. I thank you for the Father as you are. I know that you are worth of everything that I can give, but I just need your strength to help me with that. I need your guidance. I need you to lead me by your spirit. I need you to help me crucify my flesh so your spirit can lead me. Lord, I want to get to know you like Abraham and Mary did to be willing to make those sacrifices. Come into my heart with your spirit, with your love, with your presence and overflow in me, Lord. Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you have done for me. In Jesus' name, amen.